From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. Holiday season edition of the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. <laughs> and here with me in our Orlando studio, Mark Jackson on the ones and twos, filling in for Chandler, who's on assignment today. Hello, world. I don't know who it is. Uh, over there on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. And seriously, though, be concerned. Uh, Chandler is the missing person right now. And might I add, hello, hello. <laughs> uh, from Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Chandler's right here. I've got him safe in my closet. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and down the street there in Nashville, author, speaker, podcaster, cowgirl extraordinaire, Annie F. Downs. I do not have Chandler in my office. Good morning, gents. Glad to see you. It's going to be weird without, without uh, Chandler's laugh track. Today. It'd be less Chili's focused. For I sure. think <laughs> I, I know this will you know up the production time, but I think this is the episode we finally test out the canned laugh track that we were so fascinated. <laughs> you know, the big audience, and then like it, there'll be like a tender moment in the in the in the pod, and everyone will be like this, oh, you know, like from the audience, yeah. And then like at the end, after we resolve the tension, and it ends yeah. with like a four-person hug. You know, right. everyone starts clapping, you know? Yeah. And then, as days go by... There is one problem with this plan, and, and I, I need to con- complain about it now. Jesse, you asked me to get that laugh track together, and I did, but it's made up entirely of me going around the relevant office and reading off my hilarious puns to the staff. And I would say the laugh track is a little It's a more of a groan track. It's more of a groan track. It's, it's, it's polite. It's polite. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to worship leader Sean Foyt. Uh, he has a new project that releases today. Um, yeah. I actually saw him... Let's see, he was on tour with Kim Walker-Smith recently, and I, I saw him. He was awesome. Um, if you're trying to Google him or Spotify him, his last name is not spelled... Like you like, would think. Like, no. It's not like John Voigt. It's, no, it's not, it's not spelled like that at all. F-E-U-C-H-T. Jesse, why do you know how to say his last name? Me and Sean, we're old bros. I mean, I've, bros. I've seriously known Sean since we were in like 16, and we went to, he went to ORU too, Cameron. We went Did to high really? school and college yeah. together. Is he yeah. misbehaved like you? Are y'all built from the same? He was, t- okay, okay, in this okay, interview. He's on Bethel now. He's living in Reading. He's a worship leader, global move of God sort of thing. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesse's Tell a professional us. adult too, and he acts like an idiot all the I time. I will say this. I mean, in the, yeah, I'm sure uh, one of our editors there will hear the back and forth between, you know, we had some casual catching up because I've seen him in a little while and it, like we I, I still he's he's planning on coming back in town here for a conference I was like dude we gotta I'll get the old gang back together and we had we There's had nothing sadder with, than a bunch of guys in their mid-30s getting the old gang back together yeah I mean, it's it's <laughs> See, what I picture is like a, a sequel to a high school movie like 20 years later. It's like Entourage yeah. the movie, sort of, you know, yeah. everyone's moved on, but for this one night, and we did have like <laughs> one crazy night in high school, and it literally played out like one what? of those teen movies, you know, where like, Project X sort of thing, where like a car ends up in the pool. No. Uh, oh, very close to that. What oh, happened, of course. What, what happened was, it was, it was me, Sean, and three other guys, and we were all, we all hung out all the time. And it was it, it literally played. I think we were sophomores in high school or, or maybe juniors because two of the two of the people could drive. And 
we um everyone had the thing of like our buddy Matt, his parents were out of town. And so we did the thing that, you know, you're, you that you do and you tell your parents, hey, I'm staying over at Matt's house tonight. You know, not the parents not knowing that we have no supervision. So oh my gosh. we went we went to oh, man, I, we went to Walmart and it was this was about 1130. And I remember we, we used all like the cash that we had on us. We bought like good, good Christian boys. It was like Walmart wanted, yeah, at 1130. <laughs> It was it was like 166 rolls of toilet paper because I told Sean in the conversation, like, we got to do 166 again. I remember we were checking out at, at Walmart that night and the the cashier, she saw like, you know, the, these teenage guys buying a bunch of uh, of toilet paper. And she was like giving us kind of the death stare like she knew what we were up to. Yeah. And uh, I remember Sean looking at me and goes, mom said she needs almost 200 rolls, right? <laughs> As if there was some sort of like plumbing, you know, gastro emergency back home. And Sean and I were brothers. And it worked. It worked. It, it worked. sold us the toilet paper. Oh, it totally well, what worked. What do you mean it worked? Oh, what did, she's not going to. The moment she's gonna, she was like, oh, yeah, that checks You know what? I should text Sean. I should text Sean right now. And we just do a whole nother interview. Just the, yeah, the panel if we wanted to. But we ended up we on the way home from the toilet paper, and he could confirm all of this on the way home from the from purchasing the toilet papers. Like one of the roads had a detour because they're doing all this road work, so we no. took a lot of the road signs and like loaded them in the back of our oh cars. My gosh. No, um, see that's Jesse. not good. That's theft. And then we rerouted the road to just end on a dead end, <gasps> just to be extra funny. Detour just go and stop with like a big blinking cone, and we didn't even we didn't even stay for the payoff to that. We just we had what we needed and went, but it was too funny. You not never to do. saw anyone drive down it. You just created it. No, and no. Away. We, I mean, this was. I mean, you got it. I mean, That's we were pure going artistry. stealth. We that were. Is pure we artistry. were. We were like. We were professional vandals at the time, <laughs> and so like with these, we went to like this girl's house that we knew, and we we unloaded all the toilet paper. We we put all the street signs in the yard, but we had a fatal flaw. One of the signs was like one of those that's like upside down V shape. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it has like caution on both sides. It has two big blinking lights. And I remember this dude who was with us was looking back, admiring our work, walking backwards to the yard at like three in the morning and bumped into that sign and it fell. Uh-uh. And it was super, super loud. And it was. And so you see like lights go on in like houses around there, like in the windows. So we got in our car and started driving. And as soon as we were about to pull out, some maniac neighbor pulled out in his car and started chasing us. So we go through like we were in this high speed chase. And I I still remember the pro move that Sean pulled that night. And this is, you know, he's got a great legacy as a worship leader, but I'll always remember him for this move. (laughs) We're driving down this this like four lane road that has an on ramp to the interstate. Okay. This guy is right on our tail. We're going like 80 miles an hour. He pulls onto the on-ramp and the guy is right behind us. At the last second, Sean jerks the wheel, goes back into the highway, but it's too fast of a move for the guy to make. And we just see him blaring the horn as he goes up on the on-ramp on the interstate. <laughs> it was perfect. It was perfect. Just, Sean's done that exact this. move. I, I've, I've had many car chases late at night uh, with uh, being chased. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are you people? Wait, what? Yeah, why? I, I did that exact move to get away from a guy, but uh, I had... That's, wait, why? Don't just... that. What? Uh, just like Jesse, we had similar upbringings. I would sneak out of the house as a teenager 
and go TP houses. Yeah. It's, that was my what thing. It was yeah, my go-to move. My friends would crawl out of their bedroom windows. I'd go pick them up. It was a whole thing. And we would we would go around and and uh, we've been chased by the police. I mean, the key is if you have a couple friends in other cars, you can get away from the police because you don't have to outrun the police. You just have to outrun We're your not, buddy. Yeah. We're right? not doing Someone's that. Taking so the fall. Someone's taking the fall. We're not telling the world how to run away from the police. Yeah. Yeah, so I have many times uh, been pulled over and questioned by the police about the vandalism. And the funny thing is I lived uh, the, in a cul-de-sac with like 100-foot-tall pine trees. And my friends would, or not my friends, but my enemies would come and and, and, <laughs> and would get us back from time to time. And if you ever try to get toilet paper out of 100-foot-tall pine trees, it is not... A pleasant experience. My dad never understood why we were being picked on. You know, like why why are these vandals coming after our house all it's the time? Oh my god! I don't know, Dad. I don't know why. You know, I don't it's know who would of do YouTube delinquents. Yeah, there's commercials yeah. of it's ten o'clock. Do you, do know, you know where your kids are? Yeah, but of course we're upstairs asleep, and then we sneak out. Uh, they don't know that. I've, I've seen Sean in college. He 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 captured three ducks by Lake Evelyn, Cameron, the lake on no. campus. And he captured the ducks. Yeah, three ducks in the middle of the night. And then we went up and we put them, him, me and him and a couple guys, and put them in the showers of like another uh, <laughs> wing. So when they got up, <laughs> their bathroom is covered in duck poop and feathers. No. And they, oh. the ducks couldn't get out all night. So they're waiting for them there in the shower. Now it's their problem. <laughs> oh, so, my God. Sean's a mad genius. Like a lot of people Sean will, will you know, probably uh, hopefully appreciate him for his music. But I know the other side of this man. I know the other side, and I don't think he's left it behind either. I will say that with confidence. I love that our big rebellion, you know, our big, our bad days was like toilet papers and duck pranks. I, I mean, will say like, this. One night, me and Sean were out, too, hanging out, and we decided it was time for a thrill kill, and we murdered someone. I will say that, too. I will say that, too. So we had all nature of fun. <laughs> This is way, did you behave like this? This was not I, my I, high school. I did. I mean, I snuck out. And this brings up an interesting point, not really a, about me, but my, my parents were in town over the weekend. Uh, Mike and Nancy Huckabee were over here. Not Mike Huckabee. He is not the former governor of Arkansas. But oh, his what is a terrible your mom, your mom and for some reason, Governor Mike <laughs> the Huckabee came yeah. yeah. Tyler's house. <laughs> and, uh, and Man, while, what a kiss of death for your whole life to be named the same as, as any political person at all. Oh, yeah. It's been, I mean, he, right. but he's also gotten some like, some like accidental political contributions too. So oh, it, sure. it, it's okay. like give and take. It all balances but, out. Sure. But while they were here, uh, our, our dog briefly slipped out. We had to go get him and bring him back in and and my mom said, well, we all snuck out of the house now and then when we were kids. And my dad said, I didn't sneak out of the house when I was a kid. And my mom immediately, my mother, this woman is coming up on 60 years old, said, yeah, we know you didn't, nerd. To my father, <laughs> to my own dad, with me sitting there. And they, my dad looked kind of shocked. And she was like, you were probably too busy doing your homework. Like she was an 11-year-old You know what? Your mom was dead right, though. What a nerd. And she what was. Not, <laughs> only, not only is he named Mike Huckabee, he never even snuck out of the house as a teenager. I snuck out of the house zero times as a teenager. I knew I'd get caught. Were you no. not like, like were you just, not interested you in sneaking you're out of the get house? Caught? Like, did it ever well, occur also, to you? Also, we had a gravel driveway and you cannot drive down a gravel driveway without everyone oh, on true. property hearing Annie. it. That's so, I just Annie, as listen, a, as a, I've, I've pushed a car in neutral to the end of the cul-de-sac and then started it to sneak <laughs> out. Where there's Jesse, a will, there's a the way. Tires. A gravel driveway way. would not stop me. 
It's the tires. What, what I took it as an open invitation. And so I figured out how yeah. to, we had an, a security alarm. I figured out how to permanently bypass it. I've, and then, you know, come midnight, one o'clock, I just shimmy out there, walk down the stairs in the backyard, walk over to the garage, push the car down the driveway. When I got out to the street, fired up and off, I was gone. I was gone. Oh my gosh. And then I'd come home three hours later having successfully suds fountains and, you know, TP'd <laughs> yards. And then I would wow. quietly push my car back into the garage, go up there and go up for an hour of sleep before. I Ironically, Cameron had killer thighs. Is it killer? Yeah. Pushing cars. <laughs> That's the move. Yeah. Very, I yeah a, lot of pe- a lot of people don't know the this car with the shoulder. Cameron was kind of a bad boy in high school and had, a, he arguably had the most powerful legs in the entire school. <laughs> They call, they call that, me Thunder Thighs. That whole thing is just fascinating to me that all three of y'all snuck out on the regular. Oh, was yeah, it yeah. More yeah. Of a boy thing? High was this life? like, was this 16, 17, 18? Oh, yeah, yeah. Did y'all not, did y'all never get caught and get in trouble? Never well, once. Got oh, I got, yeah. I, I mean, I, I got caught by the I police. I got caught a lot of, doing a lot I of things, busted. but, you know, Jesse, listen, with this charm, with it, hey, you blows my mind. Annie, with this charm, I could get out of most trouble, you know? It wasn't about trouble. It was about getting out of trouble. That was my thing. I'd like to come back to my parents who are, they'd be like awake, waiting, like, where have you been? You know, that sort of thing. We were, ready to call the police start looking in ditches for it. like that would i would get that i remember the yeah, the yeah, most yeah. afraid the most like biggest jump scare i ever had in my life is i was returning home very late at night after you know sneaking out and this is before like everyone had cell phones i mean that's it dates us a little yeah but um yeah. i go in and i'm being i'm like ninja stealth going to the front door of my house you know uh and i was going to go in sneak up i had a, the key and everything and right as i'm like silently putting the key in the doorway in the shadows my mother's voice goes, it's pretty late to be out. And it, like, if you've ever been like outside of a home and pitch black in the middle of the night and you hear a voice right beside you, it, I literally grab my chest. I'm like, mom, you, I, well, I'm not saying this as a figure of speech. I'm saying this seriously. You almost killed me. And because of that, we are now even. We are even. I don't get mad at you and bringing up you almost killing me. And I won't, you won't bring up me sneaking out. <laughs> I, uh, Annie, did you ever get into trouble? And in, like, did you get ever get detention? Were you ever grounded? Anything like that? Yeah, yeah I was grounded for things. Yeah, but but not I, sneaking out. No, because I I just knew there was no way for me to get my car from where we parked uh, by the house on the gravel driveway down the gravel driveway without people what? here. I just knew. Why not just have dri- one of your the gravel driveway? One of your friends pick you up. Nebraska. Meet him out by the street. Yeah, when you park on the street or in the grass or one of your or friends something. could pick you up. I picked up my friends. Annie, I would go to to Mission Impossible level lengths to sneak out of my home, and not only that, the skills the skills assisted me in college later because my college, when I was halfway through there, in it, like there they they instituted a curfew, which was uh-huh. insane, and so I used those skills later in life to to sneak out at will in college. I mean, we had. I mean, I, I'm talking like Mission Impossible level ventilation shaft stuff. I bet, <laughs> oh I bet right gosh. now, I will still say this. I will still say this with confidence. No prison can hold me. No prison. <laughs> I could be locked up and I could be a free man in no time. If Jesse, I really my, my buddy, uh, Ryan, it was kind of my go-to accomplice. And I, 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 we had a routine. As, yeah. as a predetermined time, because you know this is pre-cell phone. Predetermined time, I'd roll up in front of his house. He'd crawl out his bedroom window off we were. Oh my god. His parents, I think his parents like noticed one time or noticed he was missing one time or whatever and they they never confronted him about yeah. it. But then I roll up one night and he's 
trying to get out of his bedroom window and his dad had screwed a screen onto the, like not put a screen on the window, screwed it in, in a way that he could not remove no, it. No, and you you're know? watching the whole thing from the street. Oh yeah. And I'm seeing him like, he's trapped tonight, you know, like he couldn't go. And then, and then the living room light goes on. Like his dad was waiting for it to happen. Right. The living room light goes on and I just bolt. I'm out of there. I just left. I left him. He got in trouble that night because he was trying yeah. to leave. Oh my well, gosh. See, I, I would go to Shawshank levels of, of escape. Like, you know, my, my parents are up late one night and you know, they're sitting there and be like, both of our kids, you know, in home, nice and safe, staying out of trouble. Yeah. And, you know, they like move one of the couch cushions and like a pile of dirt falls out from behind <laughs> it. And he's like, no, 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 no. And runs up to the room and they remove like a Michael Jordan Space Jam poster and behind it's a hole, which <laughs> I have tunneled out. <laughs> right. And I'll, it's too late. I'll for tell them. you, my, here's, here were the two things that kept me at home. One, when I was in third grade, a friend and I were biking around the neighborhood. My mom didn't know where we were. And when she picked me up, she was crying and saying that she has been praying the whole time that I hadn't been kidnapped so i all of a sudden was thought i was just out riding my bike and my mom thought i'd been kidnapped and i made her cry and then also i watched pollyanna and the one time she tries to sneak out she falls out of her window and is paralyzed for life that's true <laughs> i wasn't willing to take that risk pull. listen listen the lesson from that movie is Pollyanna is a big clumsy nerd. Yeah, <laughs> natural selection, natural selection. If you're if you're a bad boy that has you know Tom Cruise like maneuvers, then you're then you'll totally be fine. fine and life. I knew I was. Lesson number two. Lesson number two. If your teenage uh, son's bedroom has a balcony upstairs. Leave it as as is. Let them yeah, be trapped yeah. there. Don't put a <laughs> stairway down to. The- I think your parents were just saying, Cameron. Don't get in trouble. Don't get caught. And don't wake us up. Yeah. I got. Yeah, I they had, were like, we've got a new baby. We, Chandler was just little. They're like, yeah. go on, just use the side door. Yeah, just yeah, natural selection. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the I had four run-ins with police. I talked my way out of all of them. You know, the one one the bad one was there was a sting. We were trying to suds the hot tub at our friend's apartment complex. Okay, and uh, there was a sting happening because there had been a bunch of car break-ins. And so literally a, like four or five cops watched us sneak in, suds it and whatever. And then they just wanted to screw with us, you know? So yeah. they, uh, so they, you know, chased us and whatever, but four run-ins with police. It got to the level that one night me and my friends went for a late night uh, pancakes at Perkins and we were in Perkins. And if who's there at Perkins at three in the morning, rapscallion teenagers, and cops. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I was so nervous that one of the cops that was eating pancakes at three in the morning would recognize me. I like, I remember like I wouldn't make eye contact with anybody. I was really nervous, but never, never, you know, I it would have been like, like a catch me if you can situation where yeah. you guys are, you're foes, but you kind of have a begrudging father. There's a respect there. And you're in like and neutral everybody territory. Everybody gets to finish their middle of the night pancakes. Yeah. And yeah. then we'll yeah. talk. Yeah. He's going to bring on. you down, but dang it. He has to admire the hustle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, what, one of my run-ins with the cops, I learned, I, I watched a, a, an old master at this, my father, who I'd never seen him interact with the police before. And he's a pretty chill dude. But one, this was right. This was like the morning of, I still remember a graduation rehearsal. So I was graduating like the next day, you know, and, uh, I was out there, I was doing like stuff out in the yard, like helping out around the house or whatever. And, and a, uh, police car rolled up. Right. But it wasn't like the regular police car. It was like a white one. You know what I mean? Unmarked, but you could tell it was a police car. Out comes a guy 
and he he approaches the house. Now, what had happened is, uh, you you know, I don't know if you guys ever did this kind of gross, but in like biology class, did you guys dissect animals ever? A frog, yeah, yeah, yeah. Frog, yeah. 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 So little pig, little pig. What? We, we yeah, we had little, little yeah, pig fetuses because I would take the uh, I would take the, no. the the tails off of them, yeah. and I would. I would put them like I'd take them to class and like hold them up to like girls' heads and be like, "Oh yeah, pick yeah. tails," you know. Yeah, yeah. So you would appreciate oh, this. Yeah. So, so uh, some of my brother's friends actually were responsible for disposing of the cats that were dissected. But instead of doing it, they figured we could do something funny with these and put them in a car and drove them away. They ended up on doorsteps around town with funny notes. Hindsight is pretty disturbing prank, and I can see why oh, yeah, the police serious. were involved. But one of them had the toe tag of mine, the one I worked on. So this this police, this detective pulls up to my house and he sees me and my dad out there. And they're like, gentlemen, can I talk wait, to you Wait, remind guys? me what you're doing in the yard. Y'all are like throwing a baseball or something? No, no, we're doing like yard work or something. Okay. You know? But but uh, he goes, I mind if I have a word with you guys? And my dad's like, sure. He's like, we might want to go inside for this. So this oh. is what the detective says. Oh. And so oh, we go gosh. sit down and he's like... I'm investigating an incident that had to do with dead cats. And I think you might know what I'm talking about. He points at me and my dad goes, so let me get this straight. I swear. I remember this like it was yesterday. I was like, what a baller move. He goes, let me get this straight. So you're a pet detective and you could see the power drain out of the detective's face. And suddenly we held all the cards. He, he realized he was dealing with not one, but two smart Alex. And, uh, you know, the crime went unsolved for all those years because I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to give any leads, you know, not, oh, not with my, my dad backing me up with a zinger like that right out of the yeah, gate. Yeah, no kidding. Ah, <laughs> that's amazing. I saw, I guess it, his birth, you put a picture on the internet of your dad at some point. And I thought, yeah. that is literally exactly what I thought Jesse's dad would look like. Just yeah, it's happy, chill, relaxed, chill. Yeah. <laughs> Had a zinger in his back pocket. But can zing a pet detective with the best of them. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Let's uh, let's take a quick break and come back and do In Case You Missed It. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Fireside. Song is Officer. This is literally the song that was playing. I got pulled over one time going um, 100, no, going 105 in a 45. Oh my gosh. Cameron. And about two miles later, the cop caught up with me to pull me over at a red light. And, um, and I was, you know, obviously panicked. And I was playing that actual song. (laughs) Ironically. And, um, he, uh, he said, he said, if you in Florida law, if you're going double the speed limit, that is immediately reckless driving and I have to arrest you. But it was like 2 a.m. and I was 16. And he goes, uh, he gave me a ticket for going uh, 89 in a 45. So like oh, legally, man. he didn't have to arrest me. Oh, That's my sometimes, gosh. Sometimes right? it's a little old fashioned charm to get yourself out of <laughs> And you know what? And I go, what kind of car did you drive that you could go 105 as a teenager? My my dad had just gotten a brand new Lexus and he was out of town and he left the keys at the house and I took it out to see oh, how fast it could I'll say this. I am never going out of town when my kids are over, <laughs> over the age of 14. Ever. I know. I hope your son and your daughter just ruin your life with pranks and sneaking out. It wasn't even me. My my brother my brother and his gang were way worse than me, mine and my, you know, me and mine. Really? Uh, they yeah, were yeah. just like weird and next level. They would just do things like 
totally ours all of ours are like intricately planned and you know definitely premeditated theirs was just on the whim like one time this guy who lived across the street from us and we were young i mean i don't know he's probably like 12 he he was this is such a weird story but he was like taking he was switching out like the screens in his all his windows you know like cleaning the windows and he sat him out in a big stack in his front yard my brother one of the kids down the street stole the screens and left a note that said, if you ever want to see your screens again, you'll shave your mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Did he? It was just a weird prank. It was just a weird prank. The guy never did it. And they returned the screens a couple days later, hoping to hold out. But, uh, but still like they just thought about, thought about that. They just saw the opportunity and took it, you know? Wow. All right. And that was their style. It's time for our weekly look back at what happened in culture and entertainment. It's time for in case you missed it. Hey, in case you missed it, artist uh, Brendan Fowler is teaming up with designer Denim Tears to use streetwear to encourage voting. So uh, inspired by a viral tweet that read, what if you got a Supreme sticker after voting? Brendan partnered with Denim Tears to give t-shirts to people at pop-up shops in select cities if they bring an I voted sticker. In an interview with GQ, uh, he shared that this effort's coming from his frustration with kids who are waiting in line for hours for streetwear brands' clothing drops, like Supreme's, but aren't taking the initiative to vote. According to Pew, only 49% of eligible millennial voters participated in the 2016 election. He said, uh, we're putting our money and our effort where our mouth is. It's not casual to produce a bunch of stuff. We're trying to say how important voting is. They ha- he has a really good point because people will go to absurd levels, including yeah. someone who I'm not going to name, but I think everyone knows it's Chandler I'm talking about <laughs> to, to, to get like, <laughs> stuff from like a streetwear drop where it is funny, like to, to, to like put that same level of, of time into doing like different things, uh, you know, to help society and, you know, your civic duty. It, it, it does seem like he, this guy's identified an interesting uh, tension there. You know, this is the last uh, podcast before you know Tuesday the vote. Before so there will be day. there yeah. will be a podcast on that day. But by the time it comes out, by the time you listen to it, the polls might be closed. So this is your com- compulsory advocation to yes, go, go vote. vote. Yeah, and, and I will say this: Supreme is doing another North Face drop, and that first one with the leathers was dope. So check Sick. that out too. Yeah. 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 Thursday at ten a.m. Unfortunately, dropping on Tuesday, so you're gonna have to pick one or the other. Right, that's right. There's, you only got time to wait in one of those lines. That's your call. That, that's where Chandler's at right now. Uh, he's I saw somebody early. very self righteously tweet the other day. Everybody says to go vote until you tell them that you're voting opposite of what they want you to do, and then they don't want you to. And I was like, you know what? No. Go vote. Go I, like, vote. Yeah. Like, I w- we should have a government that represents our, our our constituency. And and yes, have your voice be heard, no matter what side of the aisle you're on. Go vote, people. Go uh, your weird stance to take. Uh, oh, it's weird. Why are people telling me to go vote? Like yeah. that, yeah, that's yeah. where you're gonna draw the line in the sand. That's your that's your issue. Too many yeah. people telling me to go vote in 2018. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, sorry, you and your self righteous democracy telling me to vote. Yeah, make my voice heard. Exercise my both most basic American right. Lay off. Just lay off. I was happy under <laughs> under a monarchy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I saw last night on the news that in Tennessee, the early voting is up by 267% from where it was at midterm election four years ago. So I think that's really interesting. And so anyone, you can go vote now. Anybody can go vote. You ain't got to wait till Tuesday. 
I, I was waiting for a meeting this morning and I was, because I never mailed back my ballot, yeah. my early ballot. I never mailed it because oh, I yeah. don't know how to mail things. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, where can I go do early voting? I might do that after work today, you know? And, uh, and I found the polling place. I probably yeah. won't end up early voting. I'll probably just vote on my actual day. I actually but. really like voting on election day. It feels very powerful. I have a women's voting t-shirt I wear. I like love it. I love going on I wear day. I wear a shirt that says, I'm voting opposite from you. <laughs> I just have a sticker that says, we get it, nerds. You voted. <laughs> hey, this is a real headline. It was on Business Insider, okay? College students say they can't send their absentee ballots because they don't know where to buy stamps. So you're not alone. I mean, these are college-educated oh people. That Our are, world is are pretty confused about the ending. postal system. Mine was oh, mine was right. sadly uh, uh, pre-stickered. Pre, uh, you know, like it had the... You know, no post is necessary sort of thing, you know? Yeah. I just don't know how to put the mail out when I have one of those door slots. You you wait for an easterly win and throw it into the air. (laughs) Somebody somebody tweeted me a picture of a mailbox, like, like, you know, that you have on a city corner, you know, like... And R2, I thought if like I knew R two D two, if I knew yeah. where one of those were, I might as well just go in and vote at while I'm there. You know, I was like, I I don't know where those are. I mean, if I have to drive all the way down to a post office to mail something, I will might as well just drive to the voting precinct. You know? One time, my phone died, and I, and like I was trying to meet somebody, and I had no way of contacting them, and I was far away from home, and I literally drove around for probably forty five minutes looking for a payphone until I found. Yeah, one. yeah. You actually found one. Yeah, I found one. It took a while, but I found how, one at outside of a you, mall. How did you know their phone number? It, well, it, I was meeting up with. It was actually I was meeting up with Dana, and she was like at her office working, and the doors were locked. I I, I tried shouting and throwing rocks at the windows for a while because <laughs> it was real hours romantic, no one was there. but she couldn't hear you. <laughs> yeah, he was so, standing outside with a boombox over his head. Yeah, right. Was, uh, I tried all the tactics, and, right. and you know, I, I'm good at breaking out of things, not into things, and that's the right. Problem. That's the is. problem. I'm breaking <laughs> out. Would you of guys? Houses. Would you guys be pro? Uh, making voting day a national holiday. Like nobody has to, you don't have to go into work. Ooh. I think so. I mean, kids don't go to school. I mean, you only know. if you vote, only if you vote, you get it. <laughs> well, how do you, you can how either do you vote you, or you have to go work? Like the next no. day you have to turn in your sticker or something in order to get paid time off. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Oh, that's actually not a bad deal. Yeah. I think, I think it's good. And it's so fun. It's like a party. Just go vote and you get like this, a little cookie and this, you get to play a little video wear game. Your, wear your women power t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Your voting places sound really fun. Mine are I just think you're accidentally going there. to Chuck E. Cheese, uh, Annie. I don't think you're actually voting. I think you, <laughs> <laughs> that's, wait, I thought I was voting every time I collected all those tickets. Am yeah, I wrong? Yeah. You don't get tickets Am back. I doing this yeah. wrong? If you're getting so tickets good. back, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. It always amazes me how many people around this time will say I'm voting for the first time. And they're like our age bracket, like they're, you know, 20s, 30s kind of age people. And I'm like, man, it is such a gift. I'm not trying to be serious, Annie over here, but it is such a gift that we get to have a vote and we get to say what we believe and and at least put our, our two cents in and and every vote matters. They all count and add up to something. And so it always amazes me when people tell me they don't vote or it's their first time voting. So get out there. Let's do it. Wear your wear your T-shirt, eat your cookie. Have a great time. If you need a stamp, my DMs are open. Uh, I, will, I will do my, I will do, I will try to help. I will my DMs are in. not if, open. I don't have a lot of expertise. I'm along uh, Tyler's uh, lines politically, which yeah. he will, he will need, admit are very radical and back. you're going to be writing in a lot of weird <laughs> names. You're just going to have to trust them it's very, on us. It's a very, <laughs> I, I just remember, I remember the 2000 election, the hanging chads in Florida. Like how, ah. so the election yeah. was won because of 
Florida's swing state status and Florida was determined by like hundreds of votes, like not literally literally hundreds of votes. So the president was elected because a few hundred people decided to vote that or not vote that or not vote. Right. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Every vote counts. Every vote matters. I just don't know why they did that because like in Annie's state, it sounds like voting is a big party. Why did they need to call everyone named Chad to go to one district and hang for a while? It seems like that just wasn't necessary. Just have Our everyone vote. Name Chad, you know? go to Seminole Tell County, you. just hang out. Yeah. Hey, uh, in case you missed it, Lena Dunham is teaming up with Steven Spielberg and JJ Abrams to make a movie about refugee survival. Uh, they're producing a new film about the incredible story of Doha Al-Zamel, the Syrian refugee who was just 19 at the time was fleeing Egypt by boat when a shipwreck cast her adrift with the rest of the crew. Two drowning refugees thrust their small children into her arms and with only an inflatable life ring for support, Al-Zamel survived for days in the open water holding the children, singing to them, praying for them, and waiting for rescue among the bodies. Uh, the girl's creator, uh, Lena, has now officially sent on to write the script. That's going to be powerful. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about the movie. I think it's a great story. Does anybody else feel like Lena Dunham maybe isn't the best call yeah. to Thank handle you. it? Yeah. yeah. That's such a weird. Yeah. I like, I like girls. I, I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of the, the girls show, but, but this just seems like not her as somebody who has her voice. Kind of publicly yeah. struggled with sensitive conversations and, and been pretty yeah. publicly criticized for a lack of yeah. nuance. I'm just not sure a story about Syrian refugees is maybe the best fit. I, that's what I, I thought too. I, I'll say this though. And I heard, I heard this, t- this isn't a completely original take, but I agreed with it. Uh, but I was reading. Is stuff it about, hot? Uh, is it medium? Is it a medium take? Because it's what not What temperature original. is this take? I, I would say, uh, you know, this is around, this is a warm Seventy-nine to eighty-two degrees. You got to blow it. Yeah, oh, okay. Blow okay. It's still a t-shirt. It's still, you're still if, comfortable if you're in a t-shirt. Sure. Yeah. You know? okay. <laughs> you're still, you okay. know. Uh, but but they were saying like you know, and, and I agreed with it that Lena Dunham's strength as a writer seems to be. The, and obviously, there's a very limited sample. She did Tiny Furniture, her feature, which landed her girls. And now, oh, I thought you were saying that you were just giving an anecdote that she has Tiny Furniture. Oh, well, no. that, too, that too. I think that qualifies her for this film. That makes her. That gives her all the all the cred. Yeah. But 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 also with her new with the new show she's written, uh, camping is that she her strength seems to be like closed story arcs, not this big open ended thing. So like girls yeah. kind of like dragged on. But like if you watch her film or you watch like you know those sort of like bottle episodes of girls, you know that are sort of outside of the the main arc. She's a pretty gifted writer and telling those type of stories. So I, I, I think it's, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a problem with the choice. I, it's just, I mean, I think it's the right, you know, producers and directors, Steven Spielberg, JJ Abrams, they know how to make big kind of universal movies that have themes that people connect with. But Lena, I mean, I'm watching camping right now. It's, it's as edgy as girls, you know, I mean, it's like, it's mm-hmm. just an interesting selection, but it, what is it on? I haven't even heard of it. It's HBO. It's Sunday night, oh, you know, yeah, for I don't HBO. Uh, that'll do it. It's I rich. I rich like the three. Oh, I rock it over with HBO over here. I'm I'll just give getting you my in line and eating a cookie when I'm voting. You can have my login. It's fine. Aw, friendship. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I, I I'll be interested to see the story. I mean, I, I don't mean to. You know, I'm always for stories of refugees. I think it's a really important narrative right now. I want to elevate those stories. And if it ends up being good, then I'll be the first one to admit I was wrong. I'm just I'm I was a little surprised by the selection. 
Tyler, what's your problem, man? Who would you who would you want to see right now? <laughs> yeah, this? who could use a better writer I, I for think, it? I, will tell I you. think I'm the guy. I think I could really shepherd this one. I think I could get it's over you. the goal line. Well, when if, everyone asks me who should write this film, I always think of one name. M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> Let him take the reins of this. See where he goes. I think we need to go with somebody who has experience writing open water epics. Like whoever wrote Castaway, have them do it. Like oh, yeah. Waterworld. Or Waterworld. Or Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Oh, gosh. Or, or oh, gosh. Did the Blackfish documentary. <laughs> Any, anything that's water experience. Then gosh, you can, I do yeah. love that Blackfish documentary. I'll tell you what. That thing is. I know you haven't watched it, Cameron. No. It's so fascinating. Cameron, what if what if that was your job title? Like, hi, I'm an aquatic screenwriter. Oh, <laughs> I just handle snow. I just they're all movies. seabound movies. They're all you know take place at the high seas. So it's very specific. Whoever did Russell Crowe's oh Noah gosh. movie from a few years ago gets to handle this one. Second half. Right? The second half after the rock monsters. <laughs> after the, after the rock monsters. I had a conversation with one of those film that film's producers last week, actually. And, and he was talking about his regrets and he and all the other producers knew in the middle of the movie that they had a dud on their hands. So Aaron Aronofsky, if you look at his filmography, he, uh, he always does like the anti-hero, you know, like, uh, the wrestler or, you know, like, like this guy who's so bad, you know, Black like you Swan. hate him, you end up hate yeah. Black Swan. Yeah. He does the anti-hero and he wrote and directed Noah where Noah was somebody you hate. You hate Noah. Oh, and wow. he made Noah an anti-hero. And yeah. I was like, really? That's what set it off for you? Not the rock monsters? And I was like, you realize Jesse Carey makes fun of the rock monsters? It's just like our go-to, well, at least there weren't rock monsters kind of reference <laughs> of how bad <laughs> a movie and, and, and can In get. reality, I had no problem. Like, look, man, this is a total rabbit hole and total reversion. So we didn't talk about it too long. But like, when you start reading the Old Testament, like, you know, I feel like we tend to glaze it over. But there are like... Nephilim and weird species of like half demon, half human and giants. And, you know, it openly talks about there are other gods, like, yeah. you know, yeah. and other lords out there. Yeah. And so I didn't really have a problem. So the with supernatural the one, the problem. Yeah. Right. But, but the execution of it was hilarious. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have a problem <laughs> with the concept. It was just like when you're watching him on the big screen, Noah having this big dramatic face to fake with rock monsters who are like trying to emote and they're made of rocks. Is is hilarious. It's unintentional so, comedy. Okay, so this all came up because uh, a couple weeks ago I was up at the movie shoot for a film called Just Mercy with Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx, whatever. And what was interesting is we saw this one scene being shot for a couple hours and watching it on the prompters, they would reset the cameras and they would shoot the same scene again from a totally different vantage point. And then now they're shooting it through the window and now they're shooting it, like the same scene, right? And every time you're watching it, you're going, man, that was an amazing shot, an amazing take, right? And then you see the next one, you're like, man, that's an amazing shot, amazing thing. Like, and I'm sitting there, and I said to one of the producers, I go, like, you could make totally different films from what's shot, and they would, they would all be amazing. It's like a studio should do like a take the same raw footage and give it to like three different editors mm. and see what happens, right? And, 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 and so that's what prompted the story about Noah because Darren or Aronofsky, he was, you know, doing the edit, right? And it was test screening really low audience scores, like really low. Oh, wow. And the studio said to him, you can keep tinkering with your cut, but they took all the raw footage and gave it to a totally different editor without him knowing to see if a <sighs> recut could tighten it up. They said they they tightened up like an hour from it. Like it just made it flow a lot better, blah, blah, blah. Audience test scores just as low. 
No. So, so they were saying, so it's not like Darren ruining it. So when they were testing just as low, they were like, well, we'll just give him his thing. And, you know, we know that we have a dud on our hands. And they let his cut be the one that released. And they said, fundamentally, it's everybody hated Noah. And I was like, the story of Noah could have been told, in my opinion, instead of the way he went with it, which was big, right? Rock monsters and massive. Take this huge folk tale kind of epic, make it small, make it about the family, make it about overcoming adversity, belief in the face of criticism and ridicule, like make it like a human story, not a mad epic with rock monsters. Get Steve Carell. Like, let me understand (laughs) the man of Noah and the family and the fear and like, like, but they kept going and they overcame and like, tell me that story. Don't make it bigger. My my hot take is that I feel like they did. I kind of, I like the Noah movie and I feel like they did both. They, they had their cake and ate it too with a a story that was sort of intimately about Noah and about some of the, the stranger parts of the story that come after the flood about about the things that happened to him and, and but also involved a lot of larger than life uh Bibli- old testament biblical uh cinematic theology uh, and i i thought it was pretty good I, I thought it wasn't perfect but i enjoyed the experiment of it and and i feel uh, very alone in that take sometimes but i've stood by it yeah. there's your hot take if you guys want a hot take this one's a little bit you got it you got you want to let it cool off that's a little a bit before you get your fingers is what that is, Tyler that's a tank talk take and that's what you're gonna bring to us well Cameron, it's interesting you know who does that strategy that you mentioned of shooting just a ton and doing like different versions of the film is um, Adam McKay. Like, remember after Anchorman came out, he released a different version of the movie with different plots that weren't yeah. kept in the main film. Like, he's mm. famous for just doing, especially when he, you know, because he works with like, you know, John C. Riley and, and Will Ferrell because he did, you know, like on, on Step Brothers and stuff. And he just lets them roll for take after take. And by the time it's over, they have like two or three movies, you know? I mean, I, oh, I, wow. even just, even not even telling a different story, but like just what I saw at this movie set a couple weeks ago, it's like if they had, the way they cut it, the scene I saw could be totally about the prisoner or it could be totally about Michael B. Jordan who plays a law student oh, uh, wow. reacting. It could be more about his transformation from this encounter. And like, like that's two totally different emotional moments yeah. you know and like i don't know which one they're gonna end up going with i'll be very curious to see it was a pivotal scene it was incredibly moving every time we saw it it was incredibly moving it'll be like so is this movie this focused or is it that focused i don't know it'll be interesting to see but hollywood it was cool seeing behind the scenes a little bit well to be fair about every situation we live is every you know relationships friendships things that go on down at your church there's always more than one point of view. So if everybody could make the movie of the same clip, you know, we you know, that's how stories are told, right? Are you with me? Like that happens everywhere. So I think it's interesting what happens in movies because it happens in my life all the time. It sounds like you're kind of workshopping a new anecdote for one of your uh, sermons. One of your <laughs> no, talks. I'm not. No, I'm not. This is literally what it is like to be friends with me. <laughs> On the fly. You're just like, you're processing. I could use this. This is a good example yeah. Yeah. about empathy I'm thinking, I'm like, Man. and putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. Yeah. Annie, I've been taking notes and I will be shopping to none other than Mr. M. Night Shyamalan. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Um, hey, in case you missed it, Lauren Daigle this week, she brought church to Ellen. Uh, the worship leader performed Still Rolling Stones from her hit new album, Look Up Child. Here's a clip. Oh, 
Good for her. Uh, did you Man. know that Look Up Child is the fastest selling Christian album in, in nearly a decade? Yeah. Nearly really? Wow. Yeah. Hey, uh, in case you missed it, after winning a World Series game, Red Sox star Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts, everybody, uh, went to guy. feed members of the homeless community. Um, after winning game two of the World Series of the Dodgers last week, Betts, who is from the Dominican Republic, arrived at his home to a celebration complete with huge amounts of Dominican food. But with a massive amount of leftovers, he headed back out to the streets of Boston very late at night with his cousin and trays of food to hand out to homeless people. A local club promoter recognized the star who was pushing a cart full of trays. He said that he approached the player to say hello, but then uh, other early morning revelers also started noticing that they had a hero in their midst. Oh, wow. Once uh, he started gaining attention, he quickly walked away. The promoter told a local radio station, none of the homeless even knew who he was. They were just grateful for what he was doing. A lot of people are looking for a pat on the back, and he wasn't looking for that whatsoever. He was incognito, just trying to do good. Mm. Uh, as you know, the Red Sox went on to win the World Series later in the week. So there you go. What a nice story. Good guy. Yeah, yeah. What, a, what a great dude. All right, well, that's it for In Case You Missed It. Stay tuned. Up next, Sean Foyt joins us. house the song is alien at the beginning of the podcast you heard maya follick with stop talking which i thought was appropriate well this week's show is brought to you by samaritan ministries samaritan ministries is a healthcare sharing ministry with over a quarter of a million christians caring for one another's needs from broken bones to cancer pregnancies to organ transplants all without the use of traditional insurance Members not only pay for one another's medical needs, but they also pray for each other, send each other notes, and encourage one another. Um, we we did this one other time where uh, we kind of did a spotlight on, on yeah. Samaritan Ministries, and we, uh, well, we did it again. We recently spoke with Samaritan members Hannah and Jeremy Gifford, who are tour managers in the music industry. When uh, Jeremy suffered a head injury while on the road, uh, and, and then Hannah later needed medical attention for a bladder issue, they leaned on the Samaritan community. Uh, here's a little bit of their story. Hey, Hannah, when Jeremy suffered the head injury, what were some of you, your concerns? And, and, you know, as you're trying to help him recover and also kind of go through this new process, what was that like for you? Um, we were in the middle of, it was summer festival. So our, it's normally a little bit more of a spottier date for shows than like a full on tour. Um, so we had a little bit of time at home. That happened. And the first thing it was like, oh gosh, well, I guess we're allowed to go to the hospital now because were covered because before we had no health insurance like yeah. we had tried the marketplace we tried different options everything was just way too expensive so then we went checked them in and it was way easier even then i mean not that they don't communicate it well they communicate it amazing but it was way easier than i thought it was going to be to just say hey we're cash pay and the hospital was like okay cool sign this one specific form so it was super super streamlined really easy are there any notes or anything that other members, you know, had sent to you guys that really kind of jumps out in your head? Um, yeah, I think what is funny is my situation. Everyone makes fun of me on the road and everyone in my life makes fun of me again because I was 
24 and having bladder issues. <laughs> um, but I remember someone making a joke out of it. And maybe that's not super sensitive, but my personality thought that was hilarious. Like <laughs> someone said something like, man, starting young, haha, or something like, but still praying for you. And, and like, I loved, I remember thinking, oh gosh, that's hilarious. Like, I love that that happened. I don't know. <laughs> no, it just, yeah, it just seems personable. Like yeah. people actually care about what is happening to you and you feel like it's this community of friends and family. If you were to meet like another young married couple who were trying to figure out what solution was right for them and they were considering Samaritan, what, what would you say to them? This is something that like we can afford. This is something where we can be helping other people and pouring into somebody else's life and it works. It's We've been taken care of. You know exactly what you're doing and you know exactly who's taking care of you and who you're taking care of. It's just amazing. To find out more about Samaritan Ministries, visit SamaritanMinistries.org slash relevant. Well, for his debut album with Bethel Music, Sean Foyt traveled around the world, including to Iraq to meet and worship with refugees um, and M. Night Shyamalan, interestingly enough. In uh, a for, twist. In, in a twist. In a twist. He was supposed to meet oh, Lena Dunham over there. And in a twist, M. Night Shyamalan showed up. It was really weird. Uh, for an intimate worship record that's also outwardly focused, he also co-wrote many of the songs with artists like Brooke uh, Ligertwood, Chris Tomlin. You might know her as Brooke Frazier, by the way. Brian Johnson, Hillsong's Ben Hastings, and a ton of others. We recently spoke with Sean about the album, the stories behind some of its more powerful tracks, and not his high school hijinks with Jesse Carey. For a future episode, we'll, we'll have it back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, a little behind the scenes. He did just text us back and say, yeah, oh, come on. Yeah, but he did. But we got a full, he, we got a full house today. We have a full house. He had his chance. He how about, how about one chance. of these days we'll, we'll replace and ask Jesse with a reflection on high school shenanigans. I'll get someone, oh, yes. I'll get a non-famous high school friend too that Sean, that Sean and I know if, if we really we could, want. We could each get one friend from high school. A what? Jesse? I said we, we could always get a, a, a non-famous high school no, friend. No, we don't from, care about your non-famous friends. We uh, don't I thought you said another ones. famous high school friend. I was like, what are you talking? You hide so many secrets in your Mary Poppins bag. Interestingly, it was Pharrell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah Pharrell when Jesse time. was in high school, he was part of the clips. He was one of the clips there. In Pharrell was in high school in 1200. That's ridiculous. Well, one, of, <laughs> one of our other, me and Pharrell's other friends, still in jail for one of the pranks we played. So took the ball for him. Really appreciate that. <laughs> bill. Pour, pour really one out for Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts, everybody. <laughs> Here is part of Jesse's serious interview with Sean Fortnite. I want to jump into a couple of the individual songs. It opens with a song that's really kind of like that bold proclamation, There Is a Name. Tell me a little bit about where that song came from. That song was uh, was co-written with myself, uh, myself Pat Barrett, and um, Ben Hastings, who's, you know, wrote So Will I, and he's just an epic songwriter. And I think our heart in that song was really to start off the album you know we, we kind of come right out of the gate with like a nine minute song which yeah. is yeah. pretty intense but it kind of helps set the tone about what the whole project is about there's a name above every other name and really declaring the truth of who jesus was in in what i feel like is kind of fresh language you know 
it, it's it, it's poetic and it, it's easily it's easily you know it's easy to sing we've been singing it actually every night on this tour across the uk and it just it just is a song that that people can easily grab onto um, but really sets the tone for it all being about the name of jesus Another song that, you know, really jumps out to the whole earth looks like heaven. And I know for you personally, ever since like the burn days, you know, back in the ORU yeah. dorms, it was really, you know, you kind of had this kind of vision of like, man, let's do worship like that is going to be like the eternal worship that that is kind of this heaven on earth experience. Tell me a little bit about, you know, that song and just kind of what that theme means to you. Yeah, um, I think it's it's really the. The response to I, I feel like is the the cry of Jesus in Matthew six. You know that you know that we would pray and live and sing and work and do everything according to the reality that this place is going to look like that place. This place meaning the earth looking like heaven and really a mind shifter. I feel like for some of the church on theology and eschatology that you know what if you know everything's not getting so dark and so hard and that we're waiting for the Holy Ghost ambulance to swoop us up out of the corner, uh, you know, the poor church. But what if things are, there is an element of the, you know, the, 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 the light getting brighter? What if that cities are being transformed? And what if, you know, sex trafficking rings, are, you know, are getting broken? And what if justice is being released? So that's kind of the heart of this song. It's really a joyful uh, expectant take on where the earth is going and what God's doing in the world. You mentioned earlier uh, heart and hands about, you know, that kind of being inspired by, you know, you going in and for people that don't know your story, maybe give a little background on, you know, some of the places you've traveled and, you know, while you're putting a song like heart and hands together, like what's, you know, some of the experiences that made you kind of want other people to know, like, look, man, we can go out there and do this even in the dangerous places. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've been, we've just been so blessed, man. The Lord's opened doors to, just some of the craziest places, you know, places like North Korea and Afghanistan, you know, shortly after 9-11. And, you know, we've been in Iraq since, you know, ISIS, you know, invaded the northern part of the country. And, and we just kind of found ourselves in Congo and the, in the crazy war there. We found ourselves in the middle of a lot of uh, conflict zones and we just feel a grace to do it. And so, you know, my heart, I think in, in that song, which, you know, some amazing people jumped in with me, Amanda, Amanda Cook, you know, and um, Aiden King, who's, you know, young and free. And, and all of us could kind of carry that missional heart. And so we wanted to write a song that really was more of a charge, I think, to the church. And um, so we have, you know, the lines in there like, you know, um, 
there's a verse in there that you know that talks about you know don't you know we can't store store up in greedy barns you know it, like we need to be the people that that step out we need to be the people that are commissioned to go to to be the heart and to be the hands of jesus and so i you know that song has a lot of it, there's a lot of history behind it we're not just kind of flippantly saying it and it's not really coming out of even a critical or cynical place it's coming out of like we're seeing god do this in, in so many people's lives and we so long for everybody to jump in and, and to go. With Sean Foyt, make sure to check out his new album Wild. It releases today, and interestingly, uh, it's based on his uh, high school youth group day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole whole album about Jesse. Listening to Mr. Twin Sister. The song is Alien FM. Alien on the last break, Alien FM on this break. Well, this week's episode is brought to you also by Audible. Hey, what would it be like if we all listened more? Listening to audiobooks motivates us, inspires us, even brings us closer together. And there's no better place to listen than Audible because now Audible members get even more exclusive audio fitness programs, audio books, Audible originals and more. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. And now with Audible Originals, the selection has gotten even more custom with content made for members. Uh, Every month, Audible members get one credit good for any audiobook they choose, plus two Audible Originals from a changing selection that they can't get anywhere else. They also get access to audio fitness and health workouts created exclusively for Audible. Plus, your books are yours to keep. With Audible, you can go back and re-listen anytime, even if you cancel your membership. And if you don't like your audiobook, you can exchange it with no questions asked. You can get your first audiobook for free when you try Audible for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash relevant or text relevant to 500500. The great thing about Audible content is like it makes boring stuff really fun. Doing the dishes, fun. Get to listen to stuff. Running, fun. I thought you were going to say like Showering, boring, like reading Annie's hygiene. book, boring, listening to Annie's audiobook, fun. I thought that's what you were going to say. <laughs> hey, they're all there. Remember God looking for lovely? You can get them from well, Audible. Well, there you go. There you go. I can make your life less boring in your ears. It, well, so Annie, when <laughs> when someone listens to Audible for their their uh, their book, yes. they're one for, you know, hopefully it's more than one free audiobook. But if they choose yours for one free audiobook, You've said this before. Oh, boy. You have some ad-lib commentary yes. in there. Yeah, I do. I, I, yeah, for sure. And remember, God, just fun. once they start, I mean, y'all have lived with me enough. Once you put a microphone in front of me, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to no. say. So I followed some of the script and I didn't follow some of the script. 
Some of the script went a little. I'm going to do a hat tip to my to my boy, M Night Shyamalan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when you sign up for an Audible membership? Not only do you get one free audiobook a month, exclusive sales, but you also get thirty percent off all regularly priced audiobooks. Uh, you can download the app to listen on iOS, Android, Amazon, Fire, Windows Phone, pretty much everything. And unlike a streaming or rental service, remember with Audible, you own your books. One last time, visit audible.com slash relevant or text relevant to 500-500. Well, each week on the Love and Money podcast, which we produce, uh, Seiko Designs' founder, Liz Bohannon, Bright Peaks, Rafa Roberts, and our very own Jesse Carey, Talk with guests and couples about how our ideas about both relationships and finances affect every part of our lives. In the debut episode of season two, which just released, we talk with author Jessica Turner about the myth of a work-life balance. We wanted to bring you guys a special preview here on the show. Uh, We're proud of this show. We think you'll like it a lot. We want you to go listen to it. So here's a preview of episode one of season two of the Love & Money podcast. Every uh, episode, we're going to underscore one deeper value, one deeper theme that's out there in the love and money realm. And today, we're kicking it off. We're kicking it off strong because we're going after the topic of work life balance. And so for this show, we're actually uh, having an awesome guest. We're always going to have experts or voices of people that we are really interested in hearing from. And today we have best-selling author, speaker, and executive Jessica N. Turner. And Jessica runs a blog called Mom Creative. She's the author of the books, The Fringe Hours, Making Time for You. That was her bestseller. And she just has a new book called Stretch Too Thin. And uh, her advice on parenting and her work has appeared on various sites, time.com, entrepreneur.com. She's been on the Today Show, O Magazine, Better Homes and Garden, and more. So basically, same as Jesse, just all the same stuff. (laughs) Essentially, another student of life out there, you know? Another, yep, just doing small things. So her and her husband, um, who's also author Matthew Paul Turner, uh, they're also the parents of three young children. So Liz, um, we're getting into this with Jessica. So Jessica, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, we're super excited to um, have you join in as as the, uh, your intro suggests, we think you got a lot to say on the topic uh, that we'll be talking about today. Uh, but first of all, we have a couple of questions for you um, just about what you're up to and um, wh- what you're doing these days. And uh, so we know you have a new book, uh, Stretched Too Thin, and uh, we'd love to hear a little bit about what inspired that book and that work. So the subtitle for Stretched Too Thin is how working moms can lose the guilt, work smarter and thrive. So I'm a full time mm. working mom. I work in corporate America, 40 hours a week with three kids at home and a husband. And so really, it was birthed out of kind of my own experiences as a working mom and realizing that there weren't a lot of great resources out there specifically talking to working moms. There's a lot of parenting resources. There's frankly, a lot of resources for moms who are stay-at-home moms, but not a lot for women who work. And so I surveyed 2,000 working moms from all different areas, both geographically and in types of work, full-time, part-time, work at home, work outside the home, and used their answers to identify the biggest pain points for working moms, and then wrote a book about those pain points and how to navigate through them to go really from feeling like you're barely hanging on to really thriving. That's amazing. Jessica, I'm curious how many of those, when you surveyed 2000 women, what were the ones that resonated most with your experience that you were like, yes, that's where I feel, that's where I feel this tension. 
Honestly, I think I have felt all of the tensions at different <laughs> points. Certainly the number one tension was home management, mm-hmm. four to five working moms so that that was a challenge for them. And that is definitely my biggest pain point. So that isn't something that shocked me because it's something that we talk a lot about, you know, at the water cooler, so to speak. Um, so it didn't necessarily surprise me, but it was really affirming. And that's the, been the biggest piece of feedback on the book is that the book feels like, oh, I'm not alone is what women have said to me. And I love that, that, yep, we're all in this together. We're all experiencing the same kind of stuff and it's normal, but there's a better way so that you're not constantly feeling stretched too thin and and like you're dying, basically. I love that. I was uh, stalking you out on Instagram a little bit and saw you kind of posting about this, this notion that, um, that guilt is like this very expected part of this like motherhood martyr situation that's happening in our culture right now that resonated really deeply with me. Will you just talk a little bit about the the mother martyr situation that you're seeing? Yeah. You know, I say in the book, be just because you're a mom, does not mean you have to be a martyr? And I think that is how a lot of women feel like, oh, because I am a mom, I need to be home with my kids as much as possible. You know, I'd have women say to me, oh, I can't spend time with friends because I've already been gone all day at work. Women do feel a lot of guilt. And a lot of times, particularly, I think for women who are working outside the home, the challenge can be about that volume of time that you're spending with your children and feeling guilty that you aren't spending enough or that you might be missing something when in the grand scheme of things, you are still present and and still a great mom. Yes. I remember I was like six months pregnant with my first and I joined some like mommy Facebook groups (laughs) and I, which might've been a mistake because I came across this thread where this woman was like, does anybody have any tips for like how to get out of the house? I haven't seen my friends in over a year. Whoa. And then it like kicked off this whole, so that was one thing. But then there was like this thread of like, well, I haven't seen my friends in a year and a half. Well, I haven't touched my husband Ooh. in 10 years. Like a badge well, I, of honor. And it like, <laughs> yes, it was like oh, yeah. this weird sense of like competition for like whose life was ruined the most because of their kids. Wow. And I was sitting there very rotund at however many months pregnant being like oh my gosh like <laughs> what did I do I didn't know I was signing up for this yeah You're right it, it is so common I speak a lot about the importance of self-care which is another huge area of struggle for really all women but in in this case of stretchy thin working moms and I was once speaking at a conference about identifying your passions and I asked the audience to write down when was the last time they lost track of time doing something that they loved mm. and you know for me it was probably last night you know reading a book for an extended period of time in the bath. And one woman raised her hand and she said, I think it was before I had kids. And I said, okay, well, how oh. old is your oldest child? And she said, 14. Oh man. That she literally could not remember one experience where she had lost track of time doing something that she loved. I like to affirm women that that self-care is really, really important and frankly makes you a better mom, a better wife, a better friend, a better coworker when you're taking care of yourself. That was a preview. Go listen for the rest. It's a whole thing. I will say this. The couples court segment, which is not previewed right there, got contentious. And, you know, (laughs) Rafa and Liz are very empathetic people and they're very smart people. I don't consider myself on their level at either of those (laughs) things. And so, 
you know, as we're counseling this couple, I throw a couple curveballs and uh, went down a little rabbit trail. You got to listen to find out. Go check it out. Uh, the, the Love and Money Podcast Season 2. You can go subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Um, there you go. Well, stay tuned up next. Your feedback. Listening to Carrie Job and Cody Carnes. They're married. The song is Cover the Earth. All right. Well, last week on the Friday episode of the Roland Podcast, we asked you for your ideas for state slogans. Oh, I love this. We were talking about Nebraska's official new state slogan is Nebraska. It's not for everyone, which is insane. Um, and uh, we thought, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna go down that road, we want to hear from you your suggestions for other state slogans you guys hit us up on twitter at relevant podcast and you also posted on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com here's a few of our favorites real quick the whole nebraska thing you know how the point of advertising oh look how effective everyone's talking about it this is this is one of the cases the cases where it's not good like if i was considering like i got a hanker for some corn and want to go on a road trip my first thought would be nebraska because of this slogan, I'm thinking well, it's not for everyone. That not everyone's what if I, probably. What if I get there and it's, I'm not one of the people I'm, it's for? I can't take that risk. It's vacation. I only got so many vacation days. Uh, Max said, <laughs> Pennsylvania more rectangular than Nebraska. They do have them there. They in the you know from the geometric standpoint, Pennsylvania has a leg up if you're into rectangles. <laughs> I love where um, Shanta 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 either said Arizona <laughs> as many snowbirds as Florida but none of the water <laughs> <laughs> landlocked joke I liked it I, I the other I'm surprised there wasn't one about turquoise where turquoise is the ultimate fashion uh-huh. choice you know uh-huh. <laughs> any place where you can just rock a turquoise stone on like a bolo tie yeah or you know as buttons or a belt buckle I'm in I'm in yeah Zach Young I, I, Zach, Zach Young says Indiana not quite Illinois <laughs> notch below <laughs> i like nikki's nikki's who said a south dakota come from mount rushmore stay for just kidding there's nothing else here <laughs> man it is funny to everyone who responded to us they have no one did all 50 states they have really specific states nikki really went for north and south dakota yeah, Let's I have hear. to assume Nikki is from North or South. She is a Dakota or native. Or else just has a real vendetta. Real bully. That's exactly what I was thinking. The other option is there's a real Dakota bully. Jimmy Biro says, Wisconsin, the road to obesity is delicious. Oh, <laughs> and then, oh and then he says, and then he goes, it's Wisconsin. lined in cheese. He goes, Wisconsin, <laughs> sure, it might be cold, but we got plenty of beer. Um, <laughs> Wisconsin, come smell our dairy air. Our dairy <laughs> air. Yeah. That's really funny. Oh, Wisconsin, God. this is all Jimmy. Uh, Wisconsin, where we schedule church around the Packers. That yeah. is, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a thing. Where everything. we ignore the commandment about not having any idols before God. Go Packers. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- this get, you know, when I was reading the South Dakota one, I was like, yeah, true. I can think of anything other than Mount Rushmore. And then I really, it's like, I haven't gone down the rabbit hole yet, but I plan on it. Mount Rushmore is a really weird thing. Like at some point, you know, legislators or somebody was like, we should, we should take, go to the side of a mountain in a state no one goes to and blow it up 
and have the faces of presidents there and, <laughs> and let the taxpayers pay. People will love it. It's just an odd initiative, Mount Rushmore. You know, one thing that I'd really, I've always like to do, and I'd like to crowdfund this, is I would like to take a stab at recreating Mount Rushmore. Just just recreating okay. it. That's all I want. No changes. Exactly the same president. No changes. I just want to see what it would look like for somebody like me to try to bomb a mountain to the shape of president faces. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Like that guy's really great with dynamite. Or, but here's like I feel like it kind of goes with the name because all of the, the those presidents are known for everything they've accomplished. You know, I want to Mount Rush less, and it's with people who've accomplished very little in their lives. <laughs> it's just the like, four of us. <laughs> Trust me. Been podcast more. Yeah, we're podcast more. You've been sitting on that pun for a while. I'm not. I'm also, I'll tell you, you, I just got back from South Dakota, and it's awesome. There's a lot more there than Mount Rushmore. I just want to defend my Sodak. I'm friends. a big fan of. I think Mount Rushmore is cool. I think it's a beautiful. I think it's an amazing thing. I'm just saying it's a very cool state. I can't speak to North Dakota. Mount Rushless. Here's the guy. Here's the guy that you used to see when he worked at Blockbuster, and it's just some guy. <laughs> just some guy. <laughs> I've heard to think of everybody who'd be on Mount Rush because they need to be just famous enough to be like, oh yeah, that guy, but not so famous that it's like, why is there a statue of him? <laughs> uh, Eric Odom uh, for Georgia, where Marvel movies are filmed. So that's fair. That's wow. usually what to I be think. true. To be true, I've had more friends I grew up with be extras on movies in the last five years than in the entirety of my life. I want I want uh, I want Jesse carried away in here because you're you're pretty close to this scene. Okay. Uh, Bell says New Jersey. The only people who call it Joyzy aren't from here. Is that true? Is Joyzy an unfair? I've never heard it in all my travels in that in the land of uh, New Jersey. I've never heard it Joyzy. Okay, yeah. Well, to be fair, I've never heard a Nashville native call it Nash Vegas either. That is not something we do either. That is that is something other people do to us. But how many Nashville like I know you guys live there, but like natives like Nashville born. Oh, it's like a unicorn. Very few. I don't know. Yeah. I bet I know three. But I, the ones that I know only call it Nash Vegas. So, uh, Matt Bell, New Jer- this is now the New Jersey. More Springsteen than Snooky. I actually f- found the opposite. It's much more Snooky than Springsteen, Matt. I'm sorry. Not- <laughs> All right. Well, there's a lot more that came from. Go uh, check it out. Now it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, earlier in the show, uh, we got reminiscing about the cool ones among us who snuck out at night in <laughs> high school. Oh my gosh, really? Which includes You're Cameron, Jesse, myself, and my mom. Right. And the other Mike Huckabee. Yeah. <laughs> I, just I, would, I would guess both Mike Huckabees are in that category, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, I think it's kind of a Mike Huckabee, a universal Mike Huckabee trait is they didn't do a lot of sneaking out at night. <laughs> oh, it just was a really long gravel drive. <laughs> we want to know some of your high school uh, shenanigans. Nothing that's going to incriminate you and we don't want any like, whoa, no stories. Hey, I, but, ignore that. You have immunity if you're on this podcast. So let us, <laughs> I want to hear, hear some dark stuff. Yeah, we better be airing. We're, we're airing some stuff that you need to get off your chest. Like a, like a botched train yeah, robbery yeah. or something. <laughs> Give us a fake name. We'll never know. Give us a fake name. Don't even tell us who you really are. Just tell us yeah. the story. Um, uh, so hit us up on Twitter at Realm Podcast, or you can post your longer stories because we assume they're going to be full of details on uh, the podcast episode page uh, at relevantmagazine.com. We will read our favorites next week. Uh, this should be good. Again, youth group level hijinks. <laughs> I will say this. The statute of limitations... The statue of limitations have likely passed. I don't worry about looking up the time frame. Just 
pour your heart out. Get it off your chest. Here's the real sleep yeah. well Here's the podcast the, guarantee. Sleep well for the first time since you left that man behind <laughs> in the bank robbery gone wrong. We want oh to my know. Gosh. We want to know. For every one actual crime confessed to in the comments, I will commit a crime in Nashville <laughs> today. Oh my god. I will c- commit a crime of greater magnitude today. <laughs> and I will still be scared. It'll be and a not game of horse. All right. Uh, well, many thanks to Sean Foyt for joining us. Um, we should do a Roland podcast after dark edition and get all the real stories maybe, from Sean. Yeah, maybe he can join us for feedback or something. You know, oh, yeah. Like in a future week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Next week's uh, feedback segment would make all a lot right, of we'll sense. I'll, I'll, yeah, cool. I'll hit him up. Don't book 17 segments on that episode, Jesse. Let's uh, let's make some oh, space. I'm sorry, sorry for providing so much great content. The, the solution, the solution is to do much less great engagement. Let's create some space for Sean's stories to breathe. You know what I'm saying? Our whole our whole two one two hour show to two one hour shows has not really panned out, has nope. it? Nope, nope. Uh, <laughs> hey, Sean's album Wild is out today. Go check it out. Uh, thanks to our sponsors for making this episode possible. Uh, Samaritan Ministries. Remember, you can go check them out at samaritanministries.org slash relevant to learn more about their network of Christians sharing healthcare. Um, also, thanks to Audible. You can get your first audiobook for free when you try Audible for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash relevant or text relevant to 500-500. There you go. Hey, by the way, we mentioned on the last episode, but our podcast store, our podcast shop is up now. If you like the show and you want some swag, we got some mugs, we got some shirts, we got some things. Uh, go check it out. Store.relevantmagazine.com. You can go to our website and there's a store link there in the nav. Um, go check it out. Not only is there podcast stuff, there's also all of our magazines and books that we've done. There's other uh, brand gear that you might enjoy. Some screenplays with that I may or may not have written. With Hey, the new issue of Relevant, you heard about it on the last podcast. The new issue of Relevant featuring Lauren Daigle on the cover is out now. Uh, there's also a great feature with Mark Wahlberg, uh, Lovely the Band, a ton of others. Is uh, just a jam-packed issue. Go check it out. Uh, you can view the whole thing at relevantmagazine.com or you can subscribe today for a special offer. If you want to give, I know it's a little bit early, but we're in the holiday season. Uh, if you want to give a subscription to Relevant as a Christmas gift this year, you can do that for only $14.99 if you go to relevantmagazine.com slash give. Well, there you go. All right, guys, we did it. We really did it. We'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Mark Jackson. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm still scared to sneak out. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you on Tuesday. Go vote. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. want to mount rush less and it's with people who've accomplished very little in their lives 
Relevant Podcast Network.